Galatians, Galatians chapter 3, a message tonight uh, called Father Abraham. Father Abraham, the Apostle Paul is addressing the importance of Father Abraham, Galatians 3. Now, Ken, did you check this rope? It's, there's nothing wrong. Yeah, it's, it's just a piece of rope. But in the right hands, it does amazing things. Okay, so Galatians chapter 3, verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed, so that they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. And so tonight as we look at Father Abraham, we're going to look first of all at Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith. We see here in verse 6, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. So we see his faith. Now, Abraham was a man of faith. He was a man of faith. Uh, God promised him that he would be a great nation. And Abraham believed God. When God said, you're going to be a great nation, Abraham believed him. Now, sometimes, and you probably know, uh, looking out across the crowd here, you probably know that when God made that promise to Abraham, uh, he was 75 years old, had no children. And God said, you're going to be the father of a great nation. And he believed God. Now, when you're 75 years old and you have no kids, and somebody tells you you're going to be the father of a great nation... That's hard to believe, even back then. But Abraham believed God. Now, Abraham and Sarah, his wife, they have a son, Isaac, in their old age, about 10 years after God's promise. So not only did Abraham believe God when he first told him when he's 75, now he's 85, but before he was 85, he was 83 and some change there, still believing God, still believing God. Abraham was a man of faith. And then God told Abraham to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. I'm sorry, I gave you a wrong, I looked at my wrong thing. Abraham was 75 years old and childless, but then they have a son, Isaac, 25 years later. So 25, yeah, you there's like, yeah, he was wrong. Somebody should have said something. Well, I looked down at the wrong place. 25 years later. Sorry. Um... But then God told Abram, after this child Isaac is born, this child of promise, a child that's going to eventually be, you know, the, the great nation that God promised, God tells Abram to sacrifice this only son Isaac about 10 years later. About 10, that's where the 10 came from, about 10 years later. But Abraham believed God's original promise that through Isaac he would be a great nation. And when you read the take on this from the writer of Hebrews... In Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 19, Abraham figured God would raise Isaac from the dead if necessary. But when God told him, kill your child, this child of promise, the child from whom this great nation will come, Abraham believed God and he obeyed him and he tried to kill his son. But listen to what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 11 and verse 19. Abraham accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead from where also he received him in a figure. So again, we see that Abraham was a man of faith. When God says, you're, even though you're old, you're going, to have, you know, you're going to have a child and you're going to be a great nation. Abraham believed him. But he kept believing him for 25 years, kept believing him. 
And then finally the child's born and 10 years later says, God, kill. God tells him, kill the child. And Abraham says, okay, I'm believing God. I'm trusting God. Abraham's experience points us to Christ. I've talked about this before, but uh, when you look at that passage there where uh, Abraham and Isaac, and he has to, Abraham is to sacrifice his son, and we look first of all at the person of sacrifice. The father is to give his only son. So Abraham's the father. He only has this one son. I know about Ishmael, but this is the son of promise. So the father is to give his only son. And then we look at the place of sacrifice. Abraham is to sacrifice his son on Mount Moriah. Later, that same mount is called Golgotha, Calvary. And then we look at the purpose of the sacrifice. There is this, this uh, thing in biblical interpretation thing. I can't grab my words tonight. But there is this tool in biblical interpretation called uh, the, the importance of first mention. In other words, when a word is first mentioned in the Bible, it's of significant in, uh, importance. We don't get the word love in the Bible until we read the story about Abraham and Isaac. The word love is never used. Yeah, Adam and Eve got married. No love is mentioned. They may have loved each other, but that's not the point. The point is the principle of first mention says when a word is first mentioned in the Scripture, it's of significance. Well, we look at the purpose of the sacrifice because God tells Abraham, give your son, your only son, whom thou lovest. First time that word is used. And that reminds us of John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then we see fourthly the prophecy of sacrifice. When you think about it, this whole story, Isaac was dead to Abraham for three days. From the time of God's commandment where God tells Abraham, you've got to kill your son, to the day of sacrifice was three days. Abraham was looking at his living son, but he knew he was good as dead because for three days on his trip to Moriah, that kid was dead to him because he was going to sacrifice him. Well, Jesus died and was buried and rose again the third day. And so Abraham's experience points us to Christ, the person of sacrifice, the place of sacrifice, the purpose of sacrifice, and the prophecy of sacrifice. But again, Abraham was a man of faith. God said it, Abraham believed it, and that settled it. He believed God. Abraham is the father of faith. Whether it's Yahwehism, you know, the Old Testament religion, or Judaism, which came a little later on, or Christianity, or Islam, they all revere this man, Abraham. He's the father of faith. Yet sadly, Yahwehism... Judaism, Islam, they've all degenerated into a works-based salvation, a works-based religion. Only Christianity remains a religion of faith. Not works, faith. Yet even so, many groups within Christianity have erred as well. And there are many groups that call themselves Christians that are still or have gone back to works-based faith, works-based religion. But of all these great faiths of whom Abraham is the father, only one has maintained a distance from good works for salvation. And that is Christianity. So indeed, Abraham is the father of our faith as well. 
Abraham was a man of faith. Now God requires righteousness and righteousness can only be gained through faith. Look in verse 11 here of chapter 3. It says, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Abraham was not a good man. But he was a man of faith. You probably know the story about Abraham. He cheated on his wife. Morally, not legally. In fact, it was his wife's idea. Uh, She came up with this idea. Well, you know, God promised that we're going to have children. And we haven't had any children yet. Well, I've got this handmaiden. And why don't you go ahead and use her to help God out a little bit in the process? God certainly didn't mean that I, Sarah, was supposed to have a baby, but my handmaiden, legally, she's your wife, so it's okay. He cheated on his wife morally, not legally, even though it was his wife's idea. And that union resulted in a child and eventually a people which continue to cause global unrest today. Abraham was not a good man, but he was a man of faith. Not only did Abraham cheat on his wife, he lied. And in fact, he gave his wife to another man. He lied and said, no, she's my sister. Now, cut him some slack. She was his half-sister. So he only sort of lied. He only half lied. By the way, a half lie is a whole lie. The point is, he's not a good man. The scriptures don't present him as this pristine example of what a man of faith should be. Yet he was a man of faith. You see, the bottom line is that none of us are good. Romans 3.10 says that. There is none good. No, not one. But God's grace through faith covers where we fall short. If you want to be righteous in your own eyes, be good. If you want to be righteous in God's eyes, believe. I want to say that again. If you want to be righteous in your own eyes, just be good. You'll fail, but be good. If you want to be righteous in God's eyes, believe. Abraham was not a good man, but he was a man of faith. And I'll say it about me. I don't want to speak for you. I'm not a good man, but I'm a man of faith. And I'm righteous in God's eyes by grace through faith. And that's where I'm staying. But it's not just any faith. It's not just a general faith. We must put our faith in God through Jesus Christ. We must believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, was buried for our sins, and rose again the third day. And Jesus is the only way. You know what he said in John 14, 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes of the Father except through me. And faith is the only path to Jesus. So we see Abraham's faith. He was a man of faith. Secondly, I want us to look at Abraham's children. Look in verse 7. Galatians uh, chapter 3 and verse 7. says, Know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. Now, first century Judaism boasted its genealogical connection to, to Abraham. He said, well, we are genealogically, we can trace our lines back. We, we belong to uh, Abraham's genes. Indeed, the Judaizers required Abrahamic sonship as evidenced in circumcision. Uh, these Judaizers, they said, yeah, you need Jesus, but you've got to become a Jew too. You men need to be circumcised. And so they were bringing the law back into it. They say, you know, we know we're connected uh, to Abraham. We can trace our genealogy back. You Gentiles can't do that. Uh, but if you want to become part of the club, you've got to obey the law. You've got to be circumcised. 
But Paul addresses that. And he informs these folks that Abraham was justified before he was circumcised. That where we saw where it says Abraham believed God and God counted him for righteousness, that was before he was ever circumcised. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 11, Paul hits on this theme again. And he says there, Romans 4.11. Am I seeing my things right here? It doesn't look right. Yeah, I guess it is. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised, that righteousness might be imputed unto them. So Abraham believed God. Abraham was justified by grace through faith. Not by being a Jew. Not by getting circumcised. Abraham was justified before the the law was ever given. And by the way, there's something else interesting here. And it's kind of off track. But I want to share this with you. As important as circumcision was to these Judaizers. And they were saying, that's what you got to do. You got to be circumcised. If you want to come, you need Jesus. But you got to be circumcised. You got to obey the law. You know, Canaan, the promised land. That was a picture of heaven. So the children of Israel, they came out of Egypt. And yeah, they ended up wandering around the wilderness for 40 years. And then they entered into the promised land. But do you realize those Hebrews that entered the promised land were uncircumcised? Go with me to Joshua chapter 5. It's very important. Especially if you deal with Judaizers as Paul was doing here. Joshua chapter 5, beginning in verse 2. And then I'm going to read verses 4 and 5. I don't want to belabor the point it says at that time they're in the promised land now it says at that time the lord said to joshua make you sharp knives and circumcise again the children of israel the second time now when you read that it sounds like well these guys were already circumcised now they got to get circumcised again how are you supposed to do that Uh, but the scriptures explain themselves look down in verse four and this is the cause why joshua did circumcise All the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war, died in the wilderness by the way after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness by the way as they came forth out of Egypt, them they had not circumcised. So when the children of Israel finally receive this great promise of God, they enter into the promised land, they're not circumcised. Abraham was justified. Being uncircumcised. The children of Israel entered the promise of land. Being uncircumcised. So the Bible makes a very clear point. It's not circumcision that matters to God. It's not obedience to the law that matters to God. It's faith. Abraham was a man of faith. As far as Abraham's children go, we are to be people of faith. Again, look back to verse 7. I know I read it. Know ye therefore they which are of faith. Those are the children of Abraham. John the Baptist was not impressed with uh, circumcision. He was not impressed with people tracing their genealogical roots back to Abraham. In fact, you may remember in Matthew chapter 3, 9 what John the Baptist said. John said that God could produce Abrahamic descendants out of the rocks. That's how impressed he was. With this idea of tracing your genealogical roots to prove that you're somebody. Abraham's genealogy doesn't matter to God. 
when it comes to salvation, it doesn't matter to God. Because first of all, we're all related through Adam and later through Noah. It doesn't matter who you are. We all go back to Adam and Eve. And then after the flood, we all go back to Noah and his three sons. Second of all, as we've read here in verse 7, Abraham's children, or excuse me, Abraham's children are people of faith. That's who Abraham's children really are. And Abraham's children are God's children. John says in John 1:12, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Abraham's true children are people of faith. They believe God as Abraham did. They obey God as Abraham did. Even when God's word seems impossible. God comes to you at 75 years old, says, hey, you and your wife are going to have a baby. And then he waits 25 more years to deliver. That seems impossible. Believe God. Even when God's commands are difficult, believe God. As children of Abraham, we don't just have faith. We put our faith into action. We do something with our faith. We find our sonship, not through biology, not through genealogy. We find our sonship through faith. For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. Do you remember that children's song, Father Abraham had many sons? And I am one of them and so are you. That's a great song. Oh, I don't like all this stuff. You know, when you get going, it gets really confusing and you turn around and you say amen and you sit down and all kind of stuff. I get all mixed up with that. But listen to the words of the song. Father Abraham had many sons. And many sons had Father Abraham. And I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. How did you become a child of Abraham? Because you're Jewish? No, because of your faith in Christ. And so we see Abraham's faith. We see Abraham's children. Thirdly, let's look at Abraham's blessing. Look in verse 8. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. God promised that Abraham would be a blessing to the world. How so? Well, first of all, he would show how righteousness comes through faith. That's a blessing. Can you imagine if we had to try to earn our salvation? I mean, we know that's impossible. But could you imagine trying to live your life earning your way to heaven? And every time you trip up, every time you fail, every time you think a bad thought, you got to go back to, it's just like uh, whatever in those games, but you got to go back to the start, you know? And so God's blessing to the world through Abraham was that Abraham would show how righteousness comes through faith. But secondly, we all know that Abraham would be a blessing to the world because he would be the progenitor of the Messiah. Look in verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He said, not and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to thy seed, which is Christ. So God promised Abraham a blessing to the world, showing us that righteousness with God comes through faith and Messiah Christ came through Abraham. And the Messiah was not only for the Jews. He came for all. 
He came for all. Look in verse 14. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Abraham believed and was blessed. We can believe and are blessed just like Abraham. God is not particular about races, cultures, and genders. All people are the same on the inside. Sinners in need of a Savior. Everyone. I don't care what color your skin is. I don't care what country you come from. Everyone's a sinner in need of a Savior. That's how God sees people. That's how we must see people. Acts 10.34 and elsewhere are very clear. God is no respecter of persons. He's not interested in your genealogy. He's not interested in your pedigree. He's not interested in all those things. But he wants to save your soul. He wants to grant you eternal life. And he will by grace through faith in him. We have a responsibility to share the world's Messiah with the world. How do we do that personally? By sharing our faith. Corporately, by sending our missionaries. Denominationally, by supporting our mission boards. And particularly, I don't know if you... Saw there's an announcement in the bulletin already. Annie Armstrong. <laughs> Easter's just around the corner. This is our job. This is our responsibility. Get the message to the world. And we do that personally, corporately, and denominationally. Because never forget some of Jesus' final words to his church are found in Matthew 28 and verse 19. Go into all the world. Preach the gospel to every creature. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. That's our missionary mandate. To go and tell others. We do that individually. We do it together. We do it as a denomination. Abraham, through his line, produced Messiah. And now that we know Messiah, we need to share him with the world. And so today, or tonight, excuse me, we've seen Abraham's faith. Abraham was a man of faith. He's not a good man. He made the same kind of mistakes, perhaps, I hope, even worse (laughs) than some of us. I never offered Debbie to somebody else. Never. That would not be good, believe me, on so many levels. Abraham was not a good man, but he was a man of faith. And then we see Abraham's children. Who are they? Those who are genealogically connected to Abraham? No. People of faith. And lastly, we looked at Abraham's blessing. It is because of Abraham, Paul makes the argument here in Galatians, that we now understand that righteousness with God comes through faith. Not only is that such a great blessing, but the fact that God used Abraham to produce Jesus in the first place, also a great blessing to the world. For whom he came to save. And by grace through faith, he invites all to come and receive him. And those who receive him, he said, he will in no wise cast out. And so if you're saved here tonight, you need to give glory to God. But somewhere in the back of your mind, thank Abraham. Because God used him to get the message of salvation by grace through faith to us. And not only that, God used Abraham to produce Jesus without whom we would all 
be lost. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for yet another opportunity to be in your house, to hear your word, to sing your praises, and enjoy fellowship with one another. Lord, you didn't make things easier to help us out. You made things easier because we could not live up to your standard of perfection. But Jesus didn't have it easy at all. With his own blood and his own life, he paid for every single one of our sins. He died and he rose again from the dead. Not only so that he may live forevermore, but so that we may live forevermore. And so we're grateful that your plan of salvation is quite simple. Receive Christ by grace through faith and be saved. Father, may we take that simple message and share it in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools, out in public. And may your kingdom grow and use us like you used Abraham. And we thank you, as we sang earlier, Christ receiveth sinful men, and Christ uses sinful men and sinful women to share his gospel with the world. Use us, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, everybody. Good night.